I'm Ben Forrid. I'm Polly Gill. And I'm Alyssa Mendel. And this is Chordscast. Created by the team at the Coordination of Rare Diseases at Sanford, or CORDS for short, which is a rare disease registry working to tie together patients and researchers, no matter their condition and no matter where they are in the world. In these episodes, you'll hear interviews with scientists, physicians, rare disease patients, and advocates, along with updates on our registry and ways that you can get involved. Let's get started. and welcome to another episode of the Chords Cast. I'm Alyssa Mendel and today I have with me uh, the Smith-Kingsmore Syndrome Foundation. I have Kristen Gross-Close and Dr. Carlos Prada. They're going to be sharing with us all about Smith-Kingsmore Syndrome and the things we need to know. Kristen, would you want to just give the audience just a brief introduction? Great, I'd be happy to. Hi, my name is Kristen Grossclose, and uh, I have a son who is going to be 18 in a couple weeks, and he was diagnosed with Smith-Kingsmore syndrome a couple of years ago. We went a little over 15 years without any sort of diagnosis beyond the, your general autism diagnosis. So uh, that you know, brought us into the orbit of Dr. Prada and, uh, and to have a treatment uh, he, my son is on um, a medicine to help with his condition. And so that somehow one thing led to another. And now we, a group of families got together and we created a foundation to raise awareness as well as to support medical research. Oh, that's awesome. And Dr. Prada, could you give the audience just a brief introduction and your connection to the rare disease community? Uh, yes. So I'm... Um... A clinical geneticist and biochemical geneticist here at Cincinnati Children's and a pediatrician. And um, I have been here at Cincinnati now for close to 14 years. And I have dedicated my career to work with families that have rare uh, genetic disorders. Yeah. I also work along with great colleagues uh, in my clinic. So we do work as a team. So we have a multidisciplinary group and we like to um, uh, be able to address um, uh, a patient imparting concerns um, in a more um, holistic way. Yeah? Um, now, my connection to Smith-Kinsmore, um, as we were just chatting a little bit ago, it really came from the Gross Close family. Oh. Uh, they were um, the first patient I took care of with this diagnosis, and they were referred to uh, uh, my program uh, through one of my colleagues here at Cincinnati Children's and say, hey, we have a family that we finally have a diagnosis, and they really want to move forward with options now that finally they have an answer. And that is what we try to do. So we, we, we put our minds together and talk about options, talk about how, how we can understand Smith-Kinsmore better 
And I'll say it was just a, a natural sort of relation we met um, with my uh, partner in crime, uh, Dr. Kruger, and uh, who is a pediatric neurologist here at Cincinnati Children. And we, uh, we, we, we started a relation with the Gross Coast family, and, um, and actually that led us to um, uh, say, hey, why we don't uh, bring more families here to Cincinnati and mm. uh, talk and learn all together? And, and, that, um, and that was sort of the next step, yeah? So we did uh, organize a uh, group meeting uh, here in Cincinnati Children's last year, yeah? Um, and it, for us was a wonderful experience and uh, because now we went from one, then two, three patients to four uh, uh, children and adults with Smith-Kinsmore that we were able to uh, see and meet and talk and learn about all that is going on and how, how has been their journey and how we can sort of identify needs and there's obvious needs, but there's also a lot of things that are not obvious that we need to work on. Uh, but um, but also during that time, and Kristen, you can talk more about this. We we uh, we were very. To me, it was very. Uh, it was kind of in a way life changing because see them coming together and also launch a foundation that uh, that same visit that was very uh, energizing as a physician and clinician um, that care for patients with their diagnosis. Yeah, I, I like to joke that somehow uh, Dr. Prada and Dr. Kruger kind of got kind of uh, sucked into the world of Smith Kingsmore, whether or not maybe they would have been their first choice. But uh, we uh, were part of a Facebook support group. And uh, we, when we were on this particular medication for my son, uh, we wanted to make other families aware about it. And we said, this is, you know, here are our doctors. Um, perhaps this might be something that you should talk to your doctor about. And so I didn't quite anticipate that uh, some doctors from around the world started contacting them. And I remember a couple of years ago, Dr. Kruger asked if there were any experts with Smith-Kingsmore syndrome. And we said, not yet, but you can be. So, <laughs> so now, yep. So then one thing led to another and we, we work together with other families. It's not just one family's effort. It's a community um, because really it, it, it does take a, a global village to get to where we were and you know 19 families came to that first conference last year thankfully we had the conference last year as opposed yeah. to this year uh, but it was just you know we had a couple of people internationally who came and it was just so great because we had known each other on a facebook support group but then to meet in person it was just like a family reunion that's a really cool story how everything just kind of lined up together and I think you both talked about the team approach and how it's a community to really raise awareness and to bring you know all of these pieces together you touched on bringing the families together the scientists and physicians and that is just so important um, I do want to know though can you tell me about what is Smith Kingsmore syndrome and I know Kristen you had mentioned that your son had went 15 years without a diagnosis, or where did he get other diagnoses during that time? If so, is this misdiagnosed with, what are those conditions it could be misdiagnosed with? 
Well, uh, initially, I mean, first he had a diagnosis, diagnosis of PDD-NOS, which is an autism diagnosis that they don't even use anymore. Oh. And then one of the doctors, our pediatrician, thought he might have Soto syndrome. It seems that a lot of our families get diagnosed with Soto's um, for their children, but we never had a test that came back positive for Soto's. Okay. And so um, when my son was a year old, they, uh, the pediatrician at the time said that um, he had significant global delays. And he said, don't waste your money on tests because the science isn't there. And in 2003, that was correct. But now, but then the science caught up with my son and now we have this diagnosis but sotos is a common um can uh a common condition which people get diagnosed with okay okay and so what exactly is smith kingsmore syndrome then like what are the symptoms so that that is a good question so we <laughs> um so smith kingsmore syndrome um is it, a core of manifestations and it goes for intellectual disability yeah. Uh, several different degrees. Yeah. Um, most patients will have a large head or macrocephaly yeah. and uh, overgrowth, especially as a child. Then later on in life as an adult, it's not as obvious. Yeah. And um, some patients can have um, seizures and um, brain abnormalities when we do imaging as well. Yeah. There's a lot more manifestation, but those are sort of some of the most common um, uh, signs and symptoms we see with this diagnosis. It's and also sleep issues, not to sleep, yeah. <laughs> So I wanted to say, yeah, that's a good one. So uh, sleep, um, and I, I didn't want to neglect this. So sleep is not reported in the literature. So this is something that came um, um, out during that first meeting in Cincinnati and even before the meeting uh, um, as we uh, were moving forward with uh, therapeutic intervention uh, sleep became um, uh, a significant uh, issue that is underscore for um, um, Smith-Kinsmore syndrome and also for uh, the use of uh, mTOR inhibitors as well yeah uh, so you, now we know a lot more about the sleep and it's been kids that we uh, uh, knew before, yeah? And we know patients do struggle with uh, sleep difficulties, even without treatment with mTOR inhibitors, yeah? And, um, and this is an area actually that we're currently doing research. The foundation has a sponsor, um, uh, a grant to uh, Dr. Andrew Liu to look at how different gain of function genetic changes in the mTOR gene that causes Smith-Kinsmore syndrome uh, changes sort of the circadian uh, uh, clock. So that's the internal clock in our cells. And, um, um, and as if to clarify if these are gain, loss, or abnormal function of this uh, uh, gene protein, yeah. And um, so, so to go back uh, into uh, the diagnosis, so, Smith-Kinsmore syndrome, uh, patients have genetic changes in this very important gene called mTOR, uh, which is a signaling pathway uh, very well studied from uh, science um, uh, research standpoint. And also, there's a lot of other rare uh, genetic disorders more common than uh, Smith-Kinsmore syndrome 
due to uh, gain of function in this signaling pathway. So that, that is what um, um, a little bit of what we know in the basic science and of mTOR, yeah? And there is a set of medications that could work well in this pathway, yeah? Now, um, as you mentioned, it takes a while to get to diagnosis. So Kristen uh, <laughs> is not, uh, uh, not the only one that it took uh, 15 years or so to get to diagnosis. There's many patients that can have take that long. And the reason was the technology wasn't there. Yep. Mm -hmm. And um, the pediatrician was right. So there yeah. was not a, not, not a test at that point that can diagnose this uh, uh, genetic disorder. But now we have lots of kids that have been diagnosed during the first year of life, wow. or first couple months, just because the access to genetic testing is a lot better than what it was. And not only in the US, worldwide, uh, we're seeing kids diagnosed a lot early. And that actually make us, hey, now that we have a diagnosis early, how we can move forward um, with uh, research and with understanding and how we can help um, change, improve the outcome for all of these patients and families. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Prada has been amazing because we, uh, I mean, the, the Smith-Kingsmore syndrome was only discovered in 2013. And right now there are, you know, we estimate that there are roughly a little over 100 people, mostly children, uh, diagnosed uh, globally. And um, but we believe that that number is a lot higher uh, because, you know, some people, you know, the adults maybe aren't going to get genetic testing. Um, mm -hmm. So um, so our you know, our foundation's goal is to, you know, build our community um, and to just show parents that we can help support, you know, you know, have a partnership with these, you know, great doctors and researchers who give of their time. And so, you know, our community wants to support them. So that way, you know, uh, they can do what they do best, which is their research and treatment. And, you know, we can try to get, you know, like, having the cords patient registry we you know just launching that you know just trying to get information in an organized way to them as well as you know raising awareness so that way geneticists in other countries and other states and other hospitals will know to you know look out for that and to to have heard of it so um, so it's a really great collaboration and we're very grateful to uh, the University of Florida as well as Cincinnati Children's Hospital and you know Dr. Pr Prada and Dr. Kruger. I almost made a kind of a mission. <laughs> yeah, I Kruger. like it. Kruger, yeah. <laughs> it's like Benifer or something. <laughs> oh, that is good. So um, I heard you say how you had the CORDS registry or you developed a questionnaire specific to Smith-Kingsmore system with the CORDS registry. So what yes. is the purpose of having those questions I guess my question is what is the next step here that you're trying to achieve what would help researchers are they you're wanting researchers to know you know better treatments or what is it that you're hoping to get from this too um, well I would say from our part to have the um, the data available to researchers who might want to look into some aspect mm -hmm. of Smith-Kingsmore syndrome, maybe epilepsy, for example, because there's a, um, a, a pretty significant percentage of children who either 
um, begin with having epilepsy at birth, but then there are some who become teenagers and develop epilepsy, sadly. Uh, so, it, so just having that information um, available again to help researchers that that has been our goal to um, to unite as a community, you know, provide that information in, in a way. And courts has been great because we, you know, with privacy laws, you know, are, as a foundation, we are only we are only parents, and we do not want to <laughs> handle medical information. So we leave it to the professionals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Dr. Prada, do you have any thoughts on that too? What would you know? What is helpful to researchers? Do you think to further their yeah. studies, or what would even be helpful for you as a clinician to know more about? Yeah, so I'll say uh, registries are very, very useful um, uh, for families, for re researchers, and clinicians. Uh, we did actually start early on a registry and we have those ongoing efforts and we're happy to pass this on to you guys, yeah? Um, <laughs> because uh, the, um, what we learned was uh, a bread of information that is, is actually we're still processing all the uh, data we have, yeah? And, and from going, what, what, what's really common here? What, what, what are the real challenges and how those real challenges impact life, yeah? So it's not only just saying autism or just saying intellectual disabilities, it's how, um, how significant is this, how this affect life and how, what intervention have been tried, what has worked, what has not worked, yeah? Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, registries can capture a lot of very important information because as we talk, we, we, uh, um, not all patients are in Cincinnati, you know, so, mm -hmm. um, and we actually have a nice map, and, and you probably guys have it on the website, it just, patients are everywhere in the world, yeah? And back in the day, it took uh, to do meetings to actually get to see each, 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 each of us and kind of move the needle every year. But now with having registries, we, um, I know we are all tired of Zoom meetings, but by having a lot of um, this type of uh, connection, social media, we don't have to wait a year to connect, yeah? And, uh, but also we need to make those connections meaningful. And I think uh, a well-curated registry uh, with um, with the goal from that information to really move on uh, will we'll help one to design good questions for clinical trials. Like if we do a clinical trial today for Smith-Kinsmore, what should be our primary outcome? Um, Kristen mentioned seizures. Uh, we know intellectual development is very important. Yeah, What is the right age to do the clinical trial? Yeah. And there's a lot of questions that uh, a registry with a lot of good data could help us sleep, yeah, as we mentioned. And I don't want to neglect another one of my collaborators here, Dr. Hoganesh. Yeah. He is a circadian um, uh, uh, researcher, and he has put a lot of effort in making uh, this group uh, happen. And we actually yes. just launched a, a circadian disorder clinic here in Cincinnati Children's. So we, we have incorporating sleep uh, as part, but not only sleep, uh, all circadian processes into what we do for rare disorders. But um, yeah, registry is, uh, is a tool, yeah? And the quality really comes out of the information and the uh, participation from 
all the hundred patients we now know of, yeah, and we know there's, there will be more. And also, I'll see uh, a registry as not as a single entry, is we want to uh, see over time uh, the more information we have, the more data we have to plan uh, interventions and know how to address uh, a specific concerns from families. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, Dr. Prada, that when you share or you answer those questions in a registry, it's not just a one-time occurrence, that it's helpful for people to go back in year after year or if anytime there's you know drastic changes within the condition. So that's a good point. Uh, Kristen, what advice do you give parents or patients who receive a diagnosis of Smith-Kingsmore syndrome? I can imagine when you finally get that diagnosis, a lot goes through your head. Yeah, um, you know, I think it depends on when a parent gets the diagnosis. I think, you know, sometimes for us, it was one of the happiest days of our lives, but I understand Mm -hmm. that for some people, if they have this diagnosis and they're a baby, that that might be the, you know, the hardest time of their lives. And so I, I guess I would say to that parent that how you're feeling, if you have a small child and you're feeling scared and overwhelmed, that it will get easier, you know, not easy, but easier. And I think, you know, for us, uh, I know that, you know, the, uh, you know, my family, as well as the three other families on our board who are just really, you know, work hard, as well as our international community who also works hard, uh, you know, doing something to help be part of the solution and to help be, you know, be, a, you know, a helpful partner to the medical um, community, that ha- that is very healing. And so that may not be something that you do right upon diagnosis, but you know, over time, I, I know for us, you know, when Jack was a baby, it was really difficult. I mean, he mm-hmm. had a lot of different, you know, symptoms. He would be screaming, he'd be banging his head round the clock. And, you know, doctors wouldn't, we didn't fit into a nice neat box. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we'd be looking at one particular symptom, but they wouldn't be able to look at it more holistically. So I just, I, I think that again, with, with, you know, banding together with other pa- parents and families around the world um, is just so important because, you know, it's, it's not enough for one family to do it. You know, it, it's, there's strength in numbers and we're stronger together mm-hmm. as a community. Uh, and, you know, like I said, you know, we are just so lucky to have all of these great doctors and researchers who are interested <laughs> in our little condition. And we don't take that lightly. And we know that, you know, they volunteer their time. And I just think it's a really beautiful thing. I know Dr. Prada mentioned about how meeting the families at the conference, how impactful that was to see, you know, see so many children with the same condition uh, to for for families as well to have doctors who are interested in their in their child and not just like oh well we don't know what this is and then oh well you know we want to help you but we don't know how and and i know for so many families that was a very emotional experience to to be listened to and to really be heard so so i think that you know in the to wrap up my answer to you know to work <laughs> to work together uh, as families, you know, absorb a diagnosis, then, you know, becoming part of our community and being part of the solution, I think is, you know, really healing. 
Yeah, I agree with that. That community approach really, it brings a lot of hope, you know, when you have all key stakeholders that are in a room together. Um, wrapping things up here today, do you guys have any last comments or anything else you want the audience to know? We need to keep moving forward. There's still a lot to do. Uh, we do have some good um, ideas about interventions. We do have some early data about response to them during inhibitors. Um, we just need to um, um, continue working on getting funding for a, a clinical trial that help us really answer that question. Is this mm -hmm. medication um, um, a disease change in, in, in the sense, can this change the course of the disease and when is the right time to do the intervention and what are the safety um, um, uh, measurements or um, uh, follow-ups we need to be aware of. And we, and we, we know a lot more through this partnership and, um, and also there's a lot of education. So um, uh, patients are worldwide, providers are worldwide and by uh, having this partnership with the foundation, uh, one of our main goals is to uh, educate them. Yeah? And I have talked to so many other providers outside the U.S. Yeah, um, in uh, all continents about Smith-Kinsmore syndrome, and um, and it's very rewarding just to see how uh, physicians uh, and healthcare providers in general they have one patient and they're so motivated to learn. And, um, and I think that's just wonderful. I think this is something that potentially can go beyond Smith-Kingsmore. I know we're talking about Smith-Kingsmore syndrome today, but it's just, it's just how this, this type of synergy really moves the needle. And that's, that's what I'm happy, happy to be here. Yeah, I, I would also like to say that you know, I, I think about we stand on the shoulders of giants. I know that there's so much been done with developmental disabilities, you know, within the schools and, you know, different supports that our children have. And so there was parents who came before us who fought and advocated for their children and we were the beneficiaries of it. So I feel like, you know, my goal is you know as president of smith kingsmore syndrome foundation is to create a structure of a foundation that will um, live on past us because we you know we don't want it to be that it's the same four families mm -hmm. and that we get you know it over time you know we have to pass the baton in order to you know for the best um the best hope of outcomes because it's really not about the adults you know the parents mm -hmm. in a way it's really it comes down to the children and i have a, a collage that one of our board members made from our conference of just pictures of the children and i have that in my study and i look you know when i feel like wow i never thought i would be part of a nonprofit. i mean i was a yep exactly <laughs> yep i have it right here oh that's cool yeah <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was a German major in school. I did not have any nonprofit experience, nor, you know, I was, you know, kind of avoided uh, the science track, but here we are reading up on genetics. So um, I, I just, they, the kids give me the courage to, to keep pushing on and to, and to set up systems that will endure over time. Mm. 
That's good. I like that. Well, I just want to thank you both again, Kristen and Dr. Prada, for joining us on a Cordscast episode. It's been a pleasure learning more about Smith-Kingsmore syndrome. Uh, and by the way, if people wanted to know more about your foundation, do you have a website they could go to? Why, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have, they can just log on to smithkingsmore.org. Okay. And there's when we first started, uh, when we first got our diagnosis, there was just maybe a couple of uh, medical papers. So actually, my husband said, you know, this should all be in one place. And so we, uh, he taught himself how to do a website and, wow. uh, you know, got it vetted by scientists and doctors because we never wanted to put out misinformation uh, because we know our limitations. So, um, but we try to make it supportive for families as well as doctors and researchers and to give the latest up-to-date information. That's good, thank you. Well, thank you both again. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. The theme music for Chordscast is borrowed with permission from Scott Holmes's song, So Happy. To learn more about Sanford Research and our registry chords, visit us at sanfordresearch.org slash chords. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your questions, comments, stories, or feedback to chords at sanfordhealth.org. Find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Sanford Chords. The content of Chordscast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. We'll see you next time on Cords Cast.